good morning church or good evening wherever you may be yeah we're just sending our love to you and um just wanting to welcome you um yeah into just some time with the lord some time in his presence some time just adoring him and and hearing from his word yeah seeing his face and, and glorifying the king and I just want to just read a few verses from Psalm 45 before we enter into a time of worship. So just even just begin to still your heart and just, just close your eyes. Yeah, just quiet your mind with the Lord and just begin to put your attention and focus on Him. Yeah, this is a love song in Psalm 45 to, to the King of Glory. It says, You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and your majesty. And in your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp, the peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions, and all your garments are fragrant with myrrh and alloys and cassia. Out of ivory places, stringed instruments have made you glad. King's daughters are among your noble ladies. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter, give attention and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. Then the king will desire your beauty, because he is your Lord. Bow down to him. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, that you're our Lord and our king. Yeah, we thank you, Lord. You desire to commune with us. You desire to be with us. Yeah, you desire to cult cultivate intimacy within us, Lord. And I just pray that we would look to you, we would fix our eyes on you, we would give you the glory that you are deserving of. We would give you the honor that is due your name, Lord. Yeah, Papa, I just pray that you would help us to worship you with wholehearted devotion this morning. Yeah, to worship you with all that we are. To see our majestic, victorious King, clothed in splendor, clothed in glory. Just pray, Jesus, you would come and just meet with us. Meet with us as our victorious King. As the King who desires our beauty, as the King who desires to be with us. Yeah, help us as a people to just put off all distraction, put off everything else that is vying for our attention. And may we give you our attention. May, you give you, may we give you what is costly, Jesus. we give you our hearts this morning we love you Lord we bless your name we worship you we adore you we bow down to our King we revere you Jesus we revere you King of Kings and Lord of Lords we desire you we welcome you Holy Spirit come and move come and have your way move through us and reveal the Christ reveal Jesus Help us to glorify Him. Help us to glorify Him. You're worthy. 
worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. Yeah, and we bow down.
take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than I am right now Going through a storm, but I won't go down I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me
repentant in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. Jaira, Jaira, you are enough.
shout out Bless the Lord, oh my soul And let all that's within me Shout out Shout out Bless the Lord, oh my soul
we love you. What a, what a joy, what a privilege to, to get to look at you, Jesus. Yeah, we just adore you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for being with us. We thank you as we gather that you're in the midst of us. on you, fixing our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, you're at the throne. And we thank you that as we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, that every weight, every encumbrance, every hindrance, every sin that easily entangles is is laid off our shoulders. And we are able to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Yeah, and I just thank you, Lord, just as we fix our eyes on you. Yeah, as we look at you, the weights just fall off. Yeah, and I and I thank you, Lord, that you showed me a river that was was flowing. Yeah, and people who who had weights that they were just falling from them as they just lay back in the river. That they began to float in the river of your presence. And Father, I just pray you would take us, take us with the torrent of your river, take us with the power of your river. Yeah, and just teach us and help us to look at you. Yeah, and I thank you, Lord, that it's it's easier to float when we draw deep breath. And I thank you that you're filling our lungs with a fresh breath of your spirit. Yeah, you're filling our spirit, man, with a fresh breath of your spirit that, that causes us to float. Yeah, that causes us to to float above the circumstances and situations. I thank you that your presence, your river is above, above the circumstance, above the situations that we are faced with. And that you actually invite us into rest. Yeah, and just I just come against anything that has robbed breath, yeah, from our people, from anyone who is listening right now. I just pray that the Lord would restore breath to you, his breath to you. Yeah, I thank you, Father, that you're breathing the breath of life like you breathed into Adam's nostrils, into our people, that causes them to float above every circumstance, every situation, as they just fix their eyes on you. Yeah, And even, even those of you who may be listening, that you've felt even a tension in your chest, yeah, a robbing of breath, whether it's been a stress or just a worry or anxiety, I even just pray that you would actually take even physically a deep breath in just through your nostrils. Yeah, that you just partner with that prophetic word to receive his breath. His breath is all sufficiency. You are all sufficiency, Lord. And in your breath is all that we need. Yeah, in your breath is an abundance. It is more than enough, Lord. Thank you. We honor you and exalt you as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. 
Yeah, we thank you that all sufficiency is in you and from you. And Father, I just pray you would meet with our people and just reveal that to them, that you are their provider. You are all sufficiency. Your abundance to them. Yeah, you are the very air they breathe. And we thank you, Jesus, you are the face we gaze upon that allows us to to rise above everything. For you're exalted and seated on high in glory on the throne. We thank you, you are our king and you reign above. Yeah, your, your government, your rule, your reign is supreme and superior yeah, to the governmental rule of this world. Oh, we thank you, we are in your kingdom and we are under your government. Your government is that of peace, yeah, of love, of joy, of righteousness. We thank you that is your kingdom, Lord. Yeah, we love your kingdom. We love you, our King. And Father, I just pray you would just meet each of us with your love, with your joy. May it become our strength, Lord. Yeah, may your peace just transcend our comprehension. May it meet our minds and our hearts and guard them. Yeah. May not the leaven of the world come into our hearts, Lord. Yeah, we thank you. You are fierce and jealous to protect our hearts, Lord. Thank you. Your peace is our protection. You are our protection, Jesus. Yeah, we have confidence and boldness to enter into the throne room because of your blood that has been poured out. We thank you that we are in the king's courts. Yeah, we are bowing before a mighty king. So I just thank you, Jesus, for being with us. Thank you for being our King. Yeah, thank you for calling us to sit on your lap on the throne, to reign and rule with you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, call us to be those who are mightier than conquerors. Yeah, with dominion and power that you have entrusted to us, Lord. Yeah, thank you. We're not beneath any situation or circumstance we face, but we're above, seated with you in heavenly places. Yeah, receiving every spiritual blessing. Thank you for lavishing your love upon us, Jesus. Yeah, we just bless your name this morning. Yeah, we love you. Yeah, and as we just keep our hearts in this place, I just pray, Jesus, you just soften our hearts. You would soften any any hardness of heart, any rigidity that's coming even from the weak, even in response to what's going on in the world, Lord, I just pray that you would soften our hearts with your spirit. Yeah, the soil of our heart would be, be tilled and prepared for the word to be planted. Yeah. Yeah, and I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Yeah. Thank you that it is health to our bones and healing to all our flesh. We just declare the word of life over every person in our, in our family. We just pray that the life that you bring, Jesus, your resurrection life would just flow, would flow through every person's being. Yeah, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that you have the ability and you are the ability to give life to our mortal bodies. That you are what keeps us alive and you is what will keep us alive. <laughs> so we just honor your, your beautiful power, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you that you're greater than he who is in the world. There is no fear that is needed in response to anything that is going on for you are the greater one in us than he who is in the world. Yes, we just honor you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for filling us and refreshing us this morning. Yeah, we just thank you for your presence. Yeah, and Papa, I just pray that we'd be able to receive the rest that you're inviting us into to lay back into that river and float. Yeah, float above everything that is going on. Float in your peace. Float in the love that nothing can separate us from. Yeah, we thank you that our gazing upon you lifts us up. Our blessing of your name lifts us up. Yeah, into that place of clarity, into that place of lightness. Yeah, so we speak to all heaviness in our people, Lord, and I just break that off in Jesus' name. Every weight that's tried to come upon shoulders, I just break that off and may it be cast off. May it be like the water off a duck's back. As the eyes of your children look at you, King Jesus. Yeah, may nothing from this world stick. But may we be stuck in your presence. May we be stuck in the joy yeah, of your delight over us. Yeah, may we see the joy that we are to you. That was your enabling to endure the cross. You were doing it with a smile as you thought of us. Just touch us with that joy this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Joy and Ebony, Josh and Alex for leading us in some beautiful heartfelt worship as we were worshiping Jesus came in our midst and true to his word he said when two or three of you gather in my name I am there with you and we've experienced the Lord here his manifest presence and even as I saw the Lord moving uh, through this place, I also saw him uh, ministering to each person that was entering into worship. And he was coming as a servant and ministering to you. And that may be hard for you to take. <clears throat> Actually, the pride of man finds that hard to accept that God would come as a servant because we're so proud in our hearts we find it hard to accept a God of humility because it's so different to our nature we were born with us in inner pride this world is it's it's in opposition to the nature and the character of God so when Jesus came in humility, a world that was full of pride found it hard to accept. 
So I just want to encourage us this morning around the humility of God, the humility of Jesus. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that to behold the earth is an act of humility for our great God, for our great majestic God. For him to even consider this earth is an act of humility. That means every aspect of creation is, a, is an act of God's humility. Why? Because he wanted to provide a safe place for his children where we could grow in his nature and in his likeness. That's why in humility he had to come down to this earth. So every act of God, every act of our great king towards mankind or towards this earth is done in an act of humility. It reveals the great humility of our great king. That's why in Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 4, it tells us, for those who have been enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the good word of God and the power of the age to come. If they are to fall from that place, it will be impossible to be renewed to repentance. So that there is a place where we can grow in God where it's impossible to go to go back. And I pray this morning that God would have a people on this earth that would grow in the likeness, in the character of God. That there would be a people that would grow in his power, that would, there would be a people that would taste of the heavenly gift and the powers of the age to come, that there would be a people on this earth that there would be no turning back, that there would be no shrinking back, that it would be impossible to turn away from our great King. And I pray that everyone who hears this word today, I pray that that would be your life, that there would be no turning back, that there would be no shrinking back, that it would be impossible for you to walk away from him. That God would bring us to such a place. But for God to bring us to such a place, he had to create us. And to create us involved humility. He had to leave his majesty and come down to this earth. When God created Adam and Eve on the earth, he created them a little lower than God himself. And as the psalmist says, what is man? What is in man that God has put within him 
something of his nature. He's created us a little lower than Elohim. So, Father, I ask as we come around your word today that you would draw us into yourself, that we would understand, that we would know, that we would perceive a little bit of your character, a little bit of your faithfulness revealed through the humility of Christ in our lives today that we would be your people and that we would never turn back from you. Make us more like you, Jesus. I thank you that you're a God who comes. You're not a God who stays separate, but you come. Amen. So in Luke chapter 21, verse 26, Jesus spoke of a time in this earth when men's hearts will be full of fear and their hearts would fail them because of the things which are coming on the earth. In verse 28, Jesus encourages us, when you see these things that begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So I just want to encourage you today. If there's things going on around you that you haven't experienced before or you do not understand the reason why, Jesus has gone before us and he's prepared the way for us and he wants to encourage you today don't let your heart fail don't be full of fear and don't be concerned because these things are meant to come on the earth there's going to come a time when even the powers of heaven will be shaken the things that you've trusted in things that you've known for so long uh, will one day be shaken but when you see these things happen Jesus said Look up. Look up. Don't be distracted. Don't take your eyes off me. When you see these distractions going on around about you, do not take your eyes off me. Look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. Jesus is preparing his bride as we heard last week. Jesus is looking for a people on this earth that are fully given over to him. He's looking for a group of people that are not distracted by life circumstances, that are not distracted by the shaking of the heavens. He's looking for people that are not distracted by the rise and the fall of the stock market. He's looking for people that are not distracted by unstable economies. He's looking for a people that are totally fixed upon him. And I pray that that would be you today. In Psalm 16, 
verse 7 and 8, the psalmist came to a place of blessing God in his life. He said, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. In verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me. How great is our God, but how humble he is to behold the things in the earth. How great is the humility of God that he would allow himself to be set before us. That not only would he behold the things that are in the earth, but he would come down to the earth and he would allow himself to be part of our lives. I have set the Lord always before me. I have placed him before me. What an opportunity we have to invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into our lives and to share it and to be a part of it. It's because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Even when life circumstances throw you a curveball, if Jesus is at your right hand, you cannot be moved. You cannot be shaken. You will never fall. You will not be cast aside. What an opportunity to partner with our great God in this earth. But with every opportunity comes a great responsibility. And David understood the opportunity to partner with God comes with a, res a responsibility to bless him continually. He made a decision, I will bless the Lord. So there's a cost involved in walking with God. There's a cost involved in inviting the Lord to be at our right hand. And that's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of praise. I'd like us to focus on the humility of Jesus. Jesus became so vulnerable that he gave himself to mankind. He gave himself, he exposed himself for us on the cross. In his 33 years leading up to the cross, it was a process of just laying his life down. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, we're encouraged to let this mind be in us which was in Christ Jesus. So the same mind that Jesus came into this world with, the, the mind of a, a servant, the mind of humility, 
to actually serve mankind, we are encouraged to have that same mind that comes with responsibility. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So he was equal. Jesus was God. But he made himself of no reputation. So he became man forever. He took on human body. And even now... He's seated on the right hand of the throne and he bears in his body the scars of his humanity. So for the rest of eternity, we will relate to Jesus as a God-man. And we will be forever reminded as we gaze upon his wounds, we will be forever reminded of his great humility. We will be forever reminded of his great sacrifice and we will never be able to put it out of our minds. Jesus came, our majestic king, he came into this world and took upon himself a body without reputation. And he became a servant, a bondservant. That is, he gave himself to serve mankind. He gave himself for you as your servant. But pride rejects that. Pride finds that hard to accept. Religion finds that hard to accept because our religious mindset tells us that we have to earn his acceptance. But Jesus came to serve us in our sinful state. So when Jesus put on the towel began to wash his disciples' feet. The pride of man rose up in Peter and said, No, you can't wash my feet, Lord. It was that religious mindset which didn't allow the Lord uh, to wash his feet. But Jesus Instructed him, if you do not allow me to wash your feet, you will have no part of me. So the first step in accepting the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, if you're not a Christian, if you do not know, if you're to die today, if you, were going, if you do not know where you're going to be, if, you, if, you, if your eternal uh, salvation is not secure, the first step, in becoming secure in your eternal salvation is to let Jesus come and serve you. 
Just acknowledge the goodness of God. Just acknowledge the humility of God that he wants to come into your life as a servant to serve your needs. Even as I say that, you find it hard to accept because religion has told you differently. But what is the pride of man that resists? I mean, could Jesus have made himself any more appealing to come and wash your feet? I mean, has anybody washed your feet? Has anybody experienced having your feet washed? But we have a God that walked, that took on human flesh and he washed mankind's feet. So we see here in Peter pride resisting the humility of God. So we see pride even greater than selfishness in mankind's life. Selfishness is rooted in pride, but pride resists God. So there's a part of our life, each one of our lives, actually that needs God. If you can't accept Jesus Christ today, as your servant, then he will never be your king. John chapter 13, verse 8, Peter said to Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. May that not be your decision. Jesus replied, if, you do not, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Jesus went on in verse 15. He said, I've given you an example that you should go and do as I have done to you. So Jesus is not here in a physical form today, but his body is here. And he's given us an example that we, would, uh, that we would love his body, that we would love one another, and that we would do as he did. Jesus laid his life down for his body. Jesus became a servant to his body. And he, he requires us to serve one another in love as he served us. And... Uh, he said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. And he says, a servant is not greater than his master. Therefore, the humility of Jesus is a great leveler. It brings the rich and the poor together. It breaks through cultural barriers and divides. It, the, the humility of Jesus breaks through all divisions that man would 
bring, that caste would bring, that, that money would bring, that religion would bring. A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent is greater than one who sent him. So Jesus is so approachable and he's so acceptable. God could not have made himself any more uh, approachable than what he did in Jesus Christ. But it takes humility to receive the Lord. I pray that you would humble yourself today and you would receive him. You would receive him as he wants to come to you and he, he actually wants to serve you so that you would have an opportunity to engage with him. You would have an opportunity to replicate his servanthood to you that we could go around in this world and be his, his ambassadors, his servants. In Zechariah 9, 9, there was a prophecy about how our Jesus would come. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Then it goes on to say how he's going to come. It says he's coming lowly, lowly, with humility and riding on a donkey. A colt, a foal of a donkey. So we see our great king didn't come on a, on a battle horse. He didn't come on a chariot. But he came on a donkey. A lowly donkey. Such humility. The greatest king to ever walk on the face of the earth. The richest, wealthiest, most powerful king. Came lowly, riding on a donkey, so different to the kings of the earth that would travel with their entourage and their fanfare. But Jesus came not to burden the people, but he came to release the burden of the people. He came not to put heavy taxes and oppression on the people, but he came to release us from oppression. Uh, when Israel, the point of time when they wanted a king, they came to Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and they asked Samuel for a king. Samuel went before the Lord, and the Lord was not pleased with that request because the Lord always wanted to be the king of his people. But the people's hearts at that time had been hardened against God and they wanted to be like the nations round about them and they wanted a king that would go before them in battle. They wanted something physical that they could see. They went because their hearts had gone astray from the king of all kings. And God encouraged Samuel and said, uh, they haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. And so Samuel went back and warned the people in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 11, and uh, basically said to the people, are you sure you want a king? Because this will be the behavior of a king that will reign over you. 
it will cost you. He will take your sons and he will appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over thousands and captains over fifties. He will take some of you to plow his ground and reap his harvest. And some to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take of your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your olive groves and to give them to his servants. And so on and so forth. You take your male servants and your female servants. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like the nations. Satan has come to kill, steal and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. So the world comes to us and tricks us to go after its glamour and its flashiness. But as you accept it, it will steal from you, it will take from you, it will cause you to be in bondage. But Jesus is the king that came to serve us and bring us into freedom. He's our servant king. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life that we may live. Jesus caught his disciples arguing and discussing amongst themselves about who would be the greatest in his kingdom. And um, quite often that comes into God's people from time to time about this comparison where we compare ourselves one with another. And the Bible tells us, do not do that. Don't compare yourself with one another. That's not wise. But Jesus gave his disciples that instruction in Luke 22, verse 27. He spoke about the one who is greater. Who is greater? Who is my greatest disciple? Who is the one that sits apart? Is it he who sits at the table and gets served or he who serves? Jesus said it's he who he who serves. I've, I've come as an example. I am among you as the one who serves. There's none greater. There's never been a greater man than Jesus He's walked on the face of this earth. I am among you as one who serves. Jesus took on the nature of the servant. And forever, he's serving us in eternity. He's serving us. He's praying for us. He's serving us with his wounds. The wounds of Jesus serve his people. If you're sick, if you're weak, 
if you're fearful. Jesus has not left you because you can't see him with your physical eyes. Doesn't mean he's not there. The spiritual realm is so much greater, so much more real, so much more powerful than the physical realm. Why? Because the physical realm came from the spiritual realm and the physical realm will go to the spiritual realm. That is the place where Jesus sits. He sits as a servant in the highest heaven to serve you, to pray for you, to intercede for you. And he sits with some very real wounds in his side, in his hands, in his back, in his feet. And those wounds bring healing to our body. His blood that still stains the throne brings forgiveness To any sin that you may have committed or may commit in your future. So our whole life is wrapped up in the reality of Jesus, our servant king. Uh, If we could come with me to Luke chapter 7, verse 37. We read about a very wise woman, but a woman who was very uh, moved by Jesus. We see there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Interesting, there wasn't one person in that city that wasn't a sinner. But this woman realized she was a sinner and she knew where to go to change that. See, she, she had heard that Jesus uh, was at the Pharisee's house, at Simon's house. So she came with an alabaster flask full of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet. So we see this woman uh, just really fixated on Jesus' feet. Even uh, when she first came into the house, she was behind, she was positioned herself behind the Lord. But we see her focus uh, was on the feet of Jesus. And we see this is the correct posture when we come before the King of Kings is to uh, focus on his feet. Why his feet? Uh, his feet are a holy feet, uh, but they walk in a place of unholiness. His feet are blessed, uh, but they walked on this cursed land. Uh, this earth was cursed because of our rebellion and our sin. Uh, but when the feet of Jesus walked on this earth, Everywhere the place of his feet went, the Lord gave it to him. And uh, we see the feet of Jesus brings about transformation in our lives. And this woman, Mary, found uh, transformation by focusing on the feet of the Lord. She began to weep 
as her focus went on the Lord's feet, and she began to wash his feet with her tears. So it was a real encounter she had with the feet of the Lord. The feet of the Lord speaks about not only heaven meeting earth in a very real, tangible way, it speaks about divinity meeting humanity. That which is divine took on uh, that which was human. Never done before. But this great God who had to humble himself to behold the earth took a further step and humbled himself, actually became a man. So Mary had this revelation, the God-man was in the room and she seemed to uh, be infatuated uh, with the Lord. She began to wipe his feet with her hair, which speaks about the glory of a woman. She laid down her glory uh, to one who was more glorious. She began to kiss his feet. She began to express her emotion on the feet of Jesus. She became vulnerable because Jesus had shown vulnerability to her. She began to kiss his feet and anoint them with fragrant oil. You know, this oil that um, she was anointing the feet of the Lord with was an expensive perfume, which I believe was kept for a bride uh, when on her wedding day. And uh, so this woman had given everything, the most valuable thing that she had, she had given it up. It was everything that she had, she had given to Jesus because Jesus had obviously become everything to her. So in that alabaster box that was broken, over Jesus' feet contained this woman's shame, her negativity, her pain, any disappointment and sorrow that she was having. She broke it all at the Lord's feet. And she became an example and an inspiration to humanity. Humanity, so much so that Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, what this woman has done uh, will be told. So what she has done is revealed the heart of the gospel. But when Simon the Pharisee saw her, uh, he felt uncomfortable. The pride in his heart resisted. And um, I don't know, I've never had anybody wash my feet like that. I certainly haven't had anybody kiss my feet. (laughs) And I I would feel extremely uh, uncomfortable if that was to happen and I would um, resist that. But Jesus, uh, Jesus just let it happen. He let this woman kiss his feet. (laughs) He was okay with that. He was looking for such vulnerability in relationship. He was looking for such devotion and 
this woman seemed to satisfy that desire of our God man. And uh, Luke 7:45, Jesus replied to the pride of the Pharisee, the pride of the religious man, and said, "You haven't kissed me. You gave me no kiss since I've been here, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in." So there was no holding back from Mary. Such was her love and her devotion to Jesus. Such was her adoration that she did not cease to kiss his feet. So it wasn't just one kiss, but it was a continual kissing of his feet. And does that make you feel uncomfortable? I'm not surprised. It, It makes me feel uncomfortable if... Uh, somebody was kissing my feet, I would feel uncomfortable. If I saw somebody doing this, I would feel uncomfortable. But that's my pride, my humanity. And we need to die to that. We need to come to a place of vulnerability with our Lord uh, in, in worship. But what caused this woman who was a... Uh, Prostitute, we know, Bible scholars tell us uh, that she was a prostitute. But what caused her to do this? What caused her to ignore everybody else in the room other than Jesus? Uh, we, we read in another place that this was a woman that Jesus had helped and he had cast seven demons out of her. Uh, but this lady was a lady who had been abused by men. She was a lady who had been disappointed by men. She was a lady who'd been shamed. Uh, she was looked down upon. She would have been full of pain, much pain, much sorrow and much sadness. But when she met Jesus, her whole life turned around Jesus gave her hope where there was no hope. She had this revelation that deity had met humanity and she embraced it fully, wholeheartedly. And You know, most women that have been abused by men, especially sexual abuse, are very guarded when it comes to being around men. And that's quite normal. Uh, But what was it in Jesus that enabled this dear woman to put down her guard? What did she see in Jesus that was so trustworthy, that caused her to be so vulnerable? I believe it was his humility that made him so approachable. To a woman who had been constantly abused by men and cast aside, found acceptance in this man. This man, Christ Jesus. And I believe right there, she was restored. 
So everything that had been stolen from this lady's life was restored through this act of worship. So what we learn from that is whatever the enemy has stolen from you can be restored through worship. There is nothing, no damage in your life, no pain, no heartache that cannot be restored through devotion to Jesus. Maybe you're confused about your sexual identity. Jesus has come to restore even your sexual identity. The secret for you is at the feet of the Lord. Divinity met humanity. It's written in the beginning that God made man male and female. He made them with their own identity. Because of abuse and pain, many have lost their identity and become confused. And we see even the natural affection of men towards women has been confused. And we find men attracted to men and women attracted to women. This is not God's plan, God's will, God's ultimate desire for your life. It will only bring further pain and confusion. So if that's you, if that's your experience, that you're confused uh, in your sexual identity... I want to present to you the feet of Jesus today. God came to earth and became a man. And uh, the secret for you is embracing the Lord, is embracing Jesus. There's no sin that cannot be removed by the Lord. There's no pain that cannot be healed. There's no identity that cannot be restored at his feet. We see this professional woman being through so much abuse in her life, restored at the feet of the Lord. So we see as she began to embrace the Lord, as she, as she kissed his feet, it was not a self, selfish kiss of lust, but it was a selfless devotion to the Lord. And through that act, everything that was lost was restored. And Jesus said to her, Be at peace, your sins are forgiven. So we see this Mary left that room happy. Mary left that room full of peace, receiving the forgiveness of the Lord. But Simon the Pharisee left full of sin. The pain that he came in with, he left with. The sin that he came in with, he left with. The pride that he came in with, he left with. But the woman left transformed. Any man who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
Psalm chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible encourages us to kiss the Son, to enter into an intimate relationship with the Son of God. Kiss the Son, S-O-N. He doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want just a casual Sunday worship. He wants you, he invites you into a place of intimacy, he invites us into a vulnerable place that we could be like this woman and just kiss him. To kiss his humanity, to embrace his humanity, to kiss his feet. It's that relationship that he desires. It's that relationship that draws his presence into your life. So we, you know, with God, uh, we can either have his love, we can accept his love, or face the consequences. And in Psalm 2 verse 12, either we're given a consequence if we refuse to enter into uh, intimacy with him, the consequence is the wrath of God. So we, mankind has a choice. God is calling us from the ends of the earth, from the rising of the sun to the going down the same. He's calling us into a relationship of intimacy. But there's going to come a time when his wrath is poured out on this earth. You don't want to be there on that side. We want to be with him, in him. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. So we see Mary, one of the first human beings on the earth to receive forgiveness from Jesus himself. There are many more millions today around the world that have received him. And I pray that you would do that today. Mary was so caught up, infatuated with the feet of Jesus that when he rose from the dead, uh, she went to embrace him. But Jesus said to her, touch me not. I need to go to accomplish uh, what the Father has sent me to do. I need to take my blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat so that all uh, may have free access to me. So we see the humanity of Christ allowed him to be approachable. Jesus is approachable. I pray that you would approach him today. Song of uh, Songs, chapter 2, verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting hall and he looked on me with love. And uh, he's wanting to transform this world into a, a banqueting hall where he can look upon us with love. And there he wants to sustain us uh, with everything we need, with raisins and refresh, refresh us with apricots and all the good things, 
raisins and apricots. For those of you uh, health freaks out there, he wants to sustain you with everything you need. He says he's lovesick. The Lord is lovesick for you. Chapter two. <laughs> he desires you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, our correct response is to allow him, allow him. And verse 6, he says, May his left hand be under my head and his right arm embrace me. So he's not going to force himself upon us. Uh, there has to be an allowance uh, from our part. And Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 2, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. So we are speaking here about spiritual things. The Lord wants to embrace us. He wants to kiss us with the kisses of his mouth. So there's a spiritual, God has a spiritual uh, kiss, spiritual mouth. Each of us were designed by him, for him. So his love is better than anything that this world has. This love is better than any love of man. And the Bible tells us that there's love. There's a, um, the love of God is greater than any, any love, any human love. And um, many of us are disconnected from the love of, of the Father. Therefore, uh, we put all of, our, all of our trust upon mankind and we seek for our identity from another man or another woman. We seek for, for love. Many of us look for... Uh, you know, sexual fulfillment outside marriage, and it only brings pain and disappointment. And the reason why is because you are created for the love of God. You are created to enjoy God and to know Him. You are created to receive His love, to love Him and receive Him. And any pursuit of love outside of God's love is only going to bring pain and disappointment, which will eventually leave lead to bondage and eternal separation from God. So may we humble ourselves and come back to him today. Jesus is king, but he's your bridegroom and he's your friend. He's a humble king, and the way to approach him is with humility. Uh, there was a story in the Old Testament, I think 2 Kings chapter 1. There was a king, a wicked king, by the name of Ahaz, Aziah, I believe, Aziah. He was a son of a wicked king, Ahab. And this guy, Aziah, he was a worshipper of idols and he had a fall through the, uh, through the lattice, through the window, fell down and the Bible doesn't tell us what happened but sounds like he was, he was crippled. And he sent a group of his servants to the, uh, the prophets 
of the idols that he was worshipping to find out, to inquire of these idols whether he would be like that for the rest of his life or whether he would be healed. And as these guys were on their way to find these these, uh, idol-worshipping prophets, uh, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, the prophet of God, met these guys and said, "Uh, you go back and tell the king, that is there not a God in Israel that you would go, that you would send these men to inquire of an idol? You tell the king that there will not be any cure for his sickness. And as these men went back to the king with the story, uh, the king became furious and inquired as to which man had, had, had told them this news. And uh, they described, he said, is, was, was this man a hairy man? Did he have a leather belt? And uh, they said, yes, he did. And the king knew that's, that's Elijah, son of Tishbite. <laughs> you go and get Elijah and you tell him to come and see me. So the, these 50 men, I think the, the, 50, uh, the number 50 was a, a squadron of soldiers. The soldiers were divided into groups of 50. So these 50 soldiers went off to collect Elijah the Tishbite to bring him back to the king. And they found where he was and they called out to him, Hey, man of God, come down with us. We're going to take you to the king. So Elijah, who represented the presence of God, responded. He said, If I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven now. (laughs) So fire came down and, and destroyed 50 of these king's soldiers so when the king heard about it he sent another 50 and the other 50 went up to Elijah and they said hey man of God you come with us so Elijah responded the same way he said if I'm a man of God let fire come down and consume you and rightly so fire came down from God's presence and consumed those 50 soldiers So then the king heard about that and he sent another 50. (laughs) I wouldn't have liked to be in that that next group of 50. But the the commander of that 50 was was smart enough to go to Elijah in humility. And he threw himself down. He didn't yell from a distance, but he approached Elijah. And he came and humbled himself. He knelt down before Elijah and he said these words. He said, Elijah, let my life and the life of these 50 men be precious in your sight. That was the first thing that he said to Elijah. And we see here Elijah as a type of God's presence. You know, God is, God is love. God is, God is fire. But depending on how we approach his fiery love, may depend on what effect it has in our lives. You know, God is not like man who wakes up one day and is in a bad mood. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ came and he revealed the nature of God. God is a good God and God does not desire that any man would perish. But in humility, there is a way if we were to Know him. There's a way that we must approach him. And this man, 
the commander of the 50 approached God's presence in a correct way, in humility, understanding that his life was built to be precious. Your life is, is a precious life. And I'm sorry uh, if man has abused you. I'm sorry if you've been disappointed. But don't take it out on the Lord. He's a good God. And he loves you. And he's created you for himself. He sees you as his precious son and his precious daughter. So we see the number 50 in the Bible speaks about, gives us an insight as to how we are to approach our great God. And there's something about uh, 50 that speaks to us about sacrifice. If, if we have a quick look in Psalm 50, just to give us a little bit of understanding here. In Psalm 50, verse 1, The Mighty One, God the Lord, has spoken and has called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him. And it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. May we gather together today unto him. Make a covenant of sacrifice. May your life be a pleasing sacrifice to him. God's desire is revealed. Gather my saints. Gather my people together. Those who have made a covenant by sacrifice. So we see three groups of 50 approach the presence of God. Two groups of 50 approached God's presence with pride. What they received was very different to the group of 50 that approached with humility. It was a group of people on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the crucifixion, that approached God's presence with humility. And a fire came down from heaven. It wasn't a fire of judgment. But it was a sanctifying fire that judged sin and brought sanctification and acceptance. I pray today that we would come before our great humble God, that we would not come with pride, that we would lay down our pride, that we would lay down our self-effort, and that we would come with humility before the throne of grace, that we would receive fire from his presence, that we would receive the fire of the Holy Spirit, 
that would sanctify us, that would purge us of everything that is not of him. Jesus is here for us. He doesn't change. The fire of his love through the blood of Jesus Christ is very approachable. So we just might uh, ask the worship team to Come up and just lead us in a, in a song of, of worship and devotion. And just invite you right now to the Lord. Jesus is here. Jesus is with you. Whether you're driving a car, whether you're sitting at home, whether you're working, wherever you are now, Lord Jesus, we invite you. We invite you into our lives. We set you. We set you before us, Lord. Be our all in all. Lord, we set you at our right hand. We offer up our lives, a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, as, as we come before you, we ask that you send your fire. Send the fire of your Holy Spirit, your consuming fire. For our God is a consuming fire. Don't be frightened of His fire. Don't resist His fire. It's a sanctifying fire. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ spilled for us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us, presents us faultless before the throne of grace. Jesus, we embrace your humanity like Mary. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, we went astray. You came. You pursued us. You tracked us down. You sniffed us out like a great hound from heaven. Lord, we thank you, God. Lord, that you, you took on flesh. You took on humanity. That we would not be left astray. Lord, you were not satisfied to let us perish. But you took on human flesh. God, you pursued us. You were relentless throughout the ages, Lord. Your pursuit of us is undeniable. Lord, right now we resist. We resist fighting. Lord, we surrender. We surrender afresh to your love. Consume us, Lord. Consume us with your presence. God, we we do not want to live without you in this world. Father, I ask even those who are struggling, 
with identity issues right now that they would place their sights upon you Jesus that they would experience your embrace thank you Jesus touch us Lord heal us deliver us
and we just thank you Jesus just thank you for meeting with us this morning just thank you for meeting with yeah, each of our people Lord just thank you for the word that was spoken the, the revelation of your humility the revelation of how we are to receive you in humility We just thank you for showing us how to posture ourselves before you as as Mary did and just thank you for choosing to, to be close to us in this time Lord thank you for how close you are to us in this time thank you for being the precious one to us Jesus and thank you for calling us your precious ones help us to to remain in this posture of humility and adoration at at your feet Lord and just as we go even throughout our week Lord may we just continue to come to your feet and just adore you and love you and just bless your name Jesus read a poem over you that I wrote this week that just beautifully um, ties in with what, what Jules just preached to us and yeah it reads that the kiss of communion is the epitome of union may we come come and consume him and pour our perfume in him and let it be a constant cascading of everlasting oil and let us be covered in the one who will never spoil and for this one I would forever toil to only hear the words and whisper of you were a loyal lover here Jesus I pray we would would humble ourselves to, to receive your kiss of communion that the revelation of your union with us, that we are one with you. We are not apart from you, we are joined to you. And help us to come low as Mary did and and kiss your feet and, and give you the affection and love that you are deserving of. That we would empty ourselves upon your feet, Lord. We would yeah, we would break everything that we have stored up. and just lavishly pour it out on your feet like that costly oil yeah that Mary possessed for for the time of preparation for her bridegroom but in that moment knew her bridegroom was was right before her that she was at the feet of her bridegroom may we be those who lavishly and costly give ourselves to you Jesus give our hearts and everything in us to you So just as we go through our week, Lord, just increase our awareness of your closeness and nearness. Increase our awareness of of how joined you are to us, of how much you desire to be near us. And and may we prioritize that time of investing in that closeness and investing at that time at your feet. Receiving from you, receiving your words and receiving your love, Jesus just speak a blessing over every every ear that is hearing these words lord and just pray you would just meet them in a new way with your love 
new experience of who you are to them. Yeah, and just pray that, that all, all resistance would be removed and just a softening of a humble heart would be what we bring to you as our sacrifice, Lord. A broken and contrite heart you do not despise. And may we come and bring our broken and contrite offering to you. And may you fill us, may you fill our people, Lord. Yeah, fill us with your love and, and drive out all fear, drive out all worry, all anxiety with your perfect love. Like your love is perfect. Help us to receive you, Lord. Help us to receive your heart for us. Yeah, we just thank you for being with us, Jesus. We honor your presence with us. And thank you, you never leave us nor forsake us. Yeah. Thank you, you're closer than a brother. Bless your name.